When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Yusuf Dahl, and when I was 18, I was convicted of selling drugs. For the past three years, I've had difficulty finding housing because it is legal in the United States to discriminate against individuals that have a past drug distribution conviction on their record for life. It doesn't matter if it was a hard drug like heroin or a drug that's now legal or partially legal in many states across the country like marijuana. The Thurman Amendment was introduced to the Fair Housing Act in 1988 by segregationist Strom Thurman, and it's since been used to deny housing to all people. But because people of color are disproportionately jailed for drug charges, we are affected more. My goal is to overturn this amendment to start an end to housing discrimination that unfairly targets people of color. If you would like to join this movement, please visit ThurmanAmendment.org to learn more. A message from the Fable and Folly Network. A product of the Whisperforge. Sound and story brought to life. You're listening to a parody that is not affiliated with or endorsed by Supergiant Games in any way. We're just big old nerds making improv fan fiction. Rogue Runners is rated R for pretty much everything you can find in Greek mythology. Violence, assault, self-harm, offensive language, insensitive humor, and intense themes. We encourage everyone to check out our show notes and transcripts on our website at whisperforge.org. Are you ready to run? Then welcome to Volume 1 in the Blood. You are indeed worthy. (laughs) (laughs) And Arate, the short sword that was on the pedestal immediately appears in your hand. Whatever dagger you were holding there vanishes. Instead, it is replaced by this short sword there. It has five crosses marked onto the hilt. Also, while you are holding it, you can hear a little like divine choir very softly, just like faintly, but only you can hear it while you're holding it. It says, you are indeed worthy. It is bellowing, but this roar does not seem to hurt you at all. Furthermore, something else happens. The Andro Sphinx conjures forth a great feast, including magnificent food and drink. If you partake of this feast, it takes one hour to consume and it disappears at the end of that time. Up to 12 creatures can partake of this feast. A creature that partakes of this feast gains several benefits. The creature is cured of all diseases and poison, becomes immune to poison and being frightened, and makes all wisdom saving throws with advantage. Its hit point maximum also increases by... 
by 19. Whoa. And it gains that same number of hit points. So basically, your current and your maximum go up by that. The benefit lasts for 24 hours. So you have that massive feast conjured in front of you. Its entire demeanor has changed. It regards you with pride and respect. And it urges you to partake of this feast. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Please join us at the table. It does. It just sits next to you, kind of like a lapdog, and then its human face is just kind of like looking around at all the cool foods. that It hasn't <laughs> had a chance to summon this in a very long time, so it's very pleased. Aw. Thank you, Enigmatos. Thank you for proving yourselves worthy. Well, hot diggity shit, Arete. You, you've got an infernal arm. I sure do. Congratulations. We might just make it out. Like, actually. We very well might. And Arete, for the first time in a while, kind of smiles. Aww. And I don't know what is directly in front of him on the feast hill, but I assume it's like there's like a large leg of mutton, and he just kind of picks it up and just chomps down into it. Excellent. As this is going on, if you want to ask more questions of the Androsphinx, like about it or what its deal is, it, it'll answer them for you. So Androsphinx, what's your deal? So the Androsphinx, in its own voice, tells you a couple of things. Outwardly gruff and downcast, it often begins conversations with insults or negative observations. Beneath this gruff exterior, however, an androsphinx has a noble heart. It has no wish to lie or to deceive, but it doesn't give away information readily, choosing its words as wisely as it guards its secrets. An androsphinx tests the courage and valor of supplicants, not only by forcing them to complete quests, but also with its terrible roar, which echoes for miles as it terrifies and deafens nearby creatures. Those who pass its test may be rewarded with a hero's feast. If I may ask Enigmatos, what does make a hero? Andrew Sphinx smiles and turns to answer you and as it does, the hour finishes and it fades away. (laughs) Also, you see a gate to the next room. The globe in the gate shows a bag of coins again. Ah, dinero. Are we ready to go then, I guess? Never like a time like the present. Sweet. Okay. Alex? Are you... Good. I'm ready. Okay, just checking. And Annie's going to go and just put her hand on the gate. The bubble pops, the gate slides up. There is that swirling mass in front of you. We cross the threshold. See you on the other side. <laughs> Feeling spry, Rolf is going to run into it, try to do a cool flip into it. The three of you have gone in. Alexander, you're still there? Alexander goes in. <laughs> you arrive in a room very similar to the room with the casket where you bought items earlier. However, this time, next to the casket stands a very tall, imposing, ghoulish-looking figure in long purple ropes with a wide-brimmed hat and a ferryman's oar. It gestures to you and it goes... It points a skeletal hand out at its wares. You see a pomegranate, which has 75 marked under it. You see gemstones, which have 50 marked under them. You see a centaur heart, which has 100 marked under it. You see darkness, which has 50 marked under it. You see a taco and fries, which has 25 under it. And that is what you see. But I don't think we have much more money than we did last time. Alex, would can are we gonna are we gonna spend that um? Those obbles that you picked up? Oh, dear, we only have, like, 20. What are you talking um, about? Well, Alex, um... Alex what? Spit it out, Annie. Are you all right? A- Annie's looking at Alex. She's trying to communicate with her eyes. And she's like, are you gonna... Are you gonna say anything? Is there something you must purchase? Well, I mean, yeah, I would... I think so. What would you like? I was thinking we could all maybe use a little boost on some health. And, um, there's gemstones if... 
If we like, and there's pomegranate too. The palm could be fun, but we don't have enough money, unfortunately. What is the number under the pomegranate, and what is the number under the centaur heart? Under the centaur heart is 100. Under the pomegranate is 75. We could technically do both. Annie, what are you going on about? We don't have enough money. Alexander pulls out 175 albums, <gasps> and he also pulls out the purse, so they see where it comes from. I guess I hand it to the purple cloak dude. The purple cloak figure takes the coins. It holds up the coin slowly in front of its eyeless socket. And it goes... And then it pockets the coins. And you now have a palm. So the palm is going to power up your iris boon. So it goes up to epic rarity, which means now you get plus three AC when you do it. Oh my god. So that is really powerful. You took the centaur heart, which means everybody gains additional temporary hit points equal to their maximum hit die roll plus their constitution modifier. How much is the food? The food is 25. Alex? Oh, also, I don't know if this shapes your decision at all. In the next gate, the globe you see is just a skull and crossbones. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alex hands 25 for the food. So whoever eats the food can roll a regular hit die and add their constitution modifier. What is how do, I guess, does he hand me like a fucking McDonald's bag or something? Like? Yeah, you got a little McDonald's bag. It's got a taco and fries in it. Alexander, we just ate your hungry again already. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't heal up all the way, I guess. All right, so do you eat it? I hold it out for like offering does anybody eat it i'm feeling 48 out of 64 how does everyone else feel out of 64 gee i'm feeling 59 out of 45 any takers i mean i'll take it i'm just wondering who needs it most i don't need it somebody else take it i don't think i do all right rolf you eat it roll a hit die and add your constitution modifier (laughs) that's four hit points for me I hand Arite the rest of the money. I'd like some darkness, please. Okay, it costs 75 for you to get 50 darkness. We've got 45 left to spend, everyone. And remember, we lose the obbles when we die. You do that. You've bought your stuff. Caron seems pleased with these coins that you've got. Thank you, oh crosser of the water and then i walk past him and i put my hand on the gate to open up the little skull crossbone death gate the gate slides open there is an inky black darkness see you on the other side and i walk in i follow i walk towards the portal i look back to annie to see if she's coming along annie's gonna just thank Kara. i'm like thank you so much <sighs> <sighs> And then she's gonna she's gonna walk, she's gonna walk over to the portal. Okay, so Annie's in the portal. Alexander goes in. The room around you houses two massive pillars in the center left and center right of the room, both of which are accompanied by metal grates on both sides of them, about thirty feet apart from each other. A beautiful blue-skinned woman stands imposingly in the center of the room. She draws a hot pink whip and cracks it. You're not getting out of here alive, wretches. Well, technically, we're we're not alive as is. But, you know, I, I take your meaning. Hello! And you must be, and I'm going to roll, what, history to see if I know who she is? Sure. Well, that's a five. So, hi, I'm Rolf, and you are? This is a face you've seen in the bar a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, when you were working in the House of Hades, and just for whatever reason, maybe she always ordered from somebody other than you or just couldn't be bothered with you. You just couldn't put together who it was. I would love to roll. Yeah. As would Arete. 19. Ooh, nat 20. Plus one. I got an 11. 
10 and above, you know that this woman is named Megara, and she is considered one of the Erinyes, which are also called the Furies, and that she used to battle many times against Lord Zagreus when he was trying to escape the underworld. People who have 15 or better know that she is actually one of three Furies who share their duties of preventing people from escaping the underworld. Arete, what you also know is that each of them specializes in a very specific type of sin that they punish, or, you know, relish in punishing, and Megara's is jealousy and envy. Cool. So that is what you know. Rolf, what did you say to her? Hi, I rolled a five, so my name is Rolf, and you are... You don't even know. You don't stand a chance. She makes to attack you, so roll initiative. Very cool. That's very intimidating of you, uh, mis- mystery person. It's a five for initiative as well. I got you beat with my four for initiative. Ooh. Annie rolled a ten for initiative. And I have an eighteen for initiative. Nice. Okay. So very first up is Megara the Fury. Her giant black dark purple wing unfurls. She moves directly into the middle of all of you. And first she is going to swipe with her wing at you, Rolf. Oh no. She gets a 14. Does that hit? It does. My armor class is 11. I'm fragile. Oh, 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 do, do. <laughs> Iris! Iris, I entreat you. You've healed everyone else but me, please, Iris. Okay, you you entreat Iris and you impose disadvantage on the attack as a rainbow light tries to protect you. Oh, okay, so now at this time it's only a 12. Okay, that still beats it, but I get plus three with the boon. So, oh, yes. Okay, so that means that her wing attack misses and she kind of just shrugs like no matter. She follows up with a vicious whip attack and the way this whip attack works is she levitates up into the air and then she swipes her whip at everybody around her so fast that it's almost imperceptible. It kind of just makes this like hot pink haze around everybody and she gets a... 15, and this is against everybody in the group. Iris, I entreat thee. Everyone in unison goes, Iris! <laughs> well, her other one was a nat 20, so we're going with the 15. Annie and Rolf, you both take 10 slashing damage. Ah! 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 I- <laughs> oh! And Rolf embraces Annie and just screams. While she is swinging with her whip, I would like to duck under that whip and stab her twice with the deadliest boon. Give me another attack, hopefully. That's a 22. That certainly hits. 24. That also hits. So 12. So you duck under this whip, you slash and stab two times, and get a couple of good hits in on her. Annie, you are up, but in between these turns, something happens. So Megara is going to look at you, Annie, and she does the squat as if she's getting ready to do a panther pounce. She's going to lunge at you, and she is going to make an attack at you. However... If you take a dash or a disengage action at the start of your turn, you can evade that attack entirely. Otherwise, she's going to make the attack. But she is lunging at you right now in a straight line. What do you do, Annie? I'm dashing. I'm moving from that spot. Okay. She dashes straight into the pillar and hits it, and that pillar rumbles a little bit. Then she kind of leaps off of it and is going to lunge directly at you. Rolf, so the way this works is if you take the dodge or the disengage action at the start of your turn, you can evade the attack entirely. Otherwise, she's going to try to make an attack at you at the start of your turn. Respect your elders, woman! 
I'm, I'm going to dash behind the pillar on the other side of what you just smashed into. Okay. And that's it. Good luck, friends. I can't do anything else. That's my action. So you dash. She dashes towards you and ends up actually crashing into the wall behind you. Before you can take your turn, Arete, she is going to lunge at you. So again, you can take the dash or the disengage action to completely evade damage, or you can try to take the hit and then continue to do other things on your turn. I go ahead and use the cunning action to take a bonus action to dash out of the way. She has lunged past you towards that pillar, but she didn't crash into it. As I dash out of the way, I do a slide and stab my sword into the ground to pivot towards her, and I rush at her, and I use a stabbing action. It is a 19. That hits. Arete does eight piercing damage. She obviously didn't like that. She's annoyed at how many times she's missing these people. So actually, she is going to squat again, and her wing is going to come out in front of her, and she is going to start swinging her wing in these rapid circular flapping motions, and this volley of dark pink energy motes starts flying out in a cone towards Annie, Alexander, and Arete. I'm going to need y'all to make dexterity saving throws as these pink energy balls just fly out of this cone volley at you. Damn it. Saving roll for Arete was 12. Three for Alexander. That's a dirty 20. Annie, when you dodge out of the way, you don't take any damage from this. You see this volley of motes coming at you, and you seem to be able to space yourself like just left or just right as each separate wave comes in and very deftly maneuver away from that. Well done, Annie. <laughs> Thank the gods. Alexander and Arete, you do get pelted by the volley, and you each take only five force damage. Good try, Alexander. Thanks, Rolf. Really appreciate the cheerleading. Now, if you could pick up a weapon and do something. I have magics, okay? Otherwise, I'm just going to be tickling this fine blue lady, and I don't think she would appreciate... Okay. I'll, I'll wait my turn. Then she's going to use her movement, and she's just going to fly back to directly in the middle of y'all again. Okay. I'll do another double stabaroo. That's a 17. That does hit. And then... 17. That hits again. Yes. Okay. So 19 damage this time. So you get two really strong thrusts in unheard. That sounds awkward. Yeah, baby. (laughs) (sighs) She grits her teeth and she seems to only speak through gritted teeth, but especially now she just looks supremely frustrated with you. How far are those grates? There is a grate that is 25 feet from you and there is a grate that is 15 feet from you. Can I go run around so that the 15 feet away one is in between me and Meg? You can get not quite around, but like just to the corner. Okay. As you do that, she's going to make an opportunity attack against you with her whip. Only a 14. Yeah, I'm good. I shield that away. You want to have nothing to do with it, so you keep moving. (laughs) Then she is going to lunge at Annie again. So, Annie, she is making to lunge at you. I'll call on Iris to just bless me, please. (laughs) She's going to crouch down and charge at you. She gets a critical miss. Uh, Oh, my God. 
so she goes flying straight at the pillar again, and I'm gonna say on a critical miss, she also takes some blood, a sizable amount of bludgeoning damage. So she crashes into that pillar. That pillar is now only ten feet tall. Annie would like to use Song of Apathy. Nice. On Meg, she would pull out her veal. She'd play a little scratching noise, and Meg has to make a Wisdom saving throw. Okay, can you describe Song of Apathy since this is a feature that we created for this game? The target, if they fail the saving throw, their attack rolls are reduced by the amount that I roll on the die for the duration of the song, and the song is, uh, it'll last for a minute. She gets a 17. Ah! No! <sighs> Quit it! Okay, so as a bonus action, I would like to use Bardic Inspiration on Alex. You gain Inspiration Die of 1d6. For 10 minutes, you can add it to an ability check, attack roll, or a saving throw. After I cast Bardic Inspiration, I would like to run to hide behind the closest pillar. The closest pillar is the pillar Meg is at. I would like to just, you know, man, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go behind it. <laughs> After your turn, she has this bracer on her wrist. She's gonna lean to her bracer and she's gonna roll her eyes and begrudgingly requesting back up. What? And, no. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, that sounds correct. And three wretched goons appear. Ugh. Arete, one appears adjacent to you. Lovely. Alexander, another appears adjacent to you. And Rolf, she can't see you, but she summons one adjacent to where you're standing. God damn it. So as a reminder, the wretched goons are the ones that you didn't technically ever have to fight them because you did the stealth challenge through them, but they are these big hulking brutes that carry oh, these large blunt oh. weapons. Fuck. All right, Rolf is going to pop out behind the pillar and say, You can't because there's a wretched goon standing in the way. Rolf is going to shout from behind the pillar and go, Blue lady, listen, you seem very nice. You didn't introduce yourself. I would love to get to know you, but you are hurting my friends. And the blood begins to course through his veins as he draws another blood crystal. And he's going to use that to cast... Firebolt on her. Rolf doesn't really get mad, but he's starting to get a little upset. So you see the the veins around his like bicep bulge first, and you can see the crystal forming in his veins as it works its way up to his wrist and comes out and ignites the fire in his palm, making it grow in size and change in color to a, a vibrant red as it pushes out towards her. And that is a 22 to hit. All right, first of all, that was hot. Tell me more about his 64-year-old sinewy biceps. Yeah, baby. But yes, that certainly hits. And the damage with the blood crystal, I think, as it flies onto her and explodes, you see the fire kind of enrapture her, uh, dealing seven points of damage as it runs along the side of her face. It does that, and also on the side of her face, you see that blood crystal lodged in her skin now. Nice. Rolf is just gonna bunker in place and hope that Iris has his back for this goon as he he just stares at him uh, and shakes a little bit. Seeing the chaos unfolding around him, Arete will take a bonus action to use Death Shroud. Yes, finally. I've been waiting for this ability. As a grave marker, if I am not within bright light, I can immediately make myself invisible until the end of my turn. And then using any action, reaction, or inflicting damage breaks the invisibility immediately, as does moving into bright lighting. So, with the light slightly shimmering around Arete, there is a sudden pop, and he's gone. 
Arete will quietly sneak towards Meg to perform a staggering sweep attack. Okay, so what is a staggering sweep? I make an unarmed attack with a guarantee sneak attack damage. If it hits the target and is not flying and is at most one size larger than me, it must make a dexterity saving throw or fall prone. The DC for the maneuver is 12. I will say dexterity is her thing. She gets a 23. Lovely. Great, 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 great. Cool, 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 cool. But, I mean, she is caught unaware. She, so she goes, whoa. And then she kind of just like quickly leaps up as you emerge from this shroud right next to her and sweep into the pillar. I will use my Daedalus boon to perform a second attack, a regular short sword. Nice. It is a 16. That hits. So I do three piercing damage. Arete, seeing that the staggering sweep has failed, he draws the infernal arm and thrusts it towards me hitting her in the side. <sighs> she looks down at that, and you see her, like, very arched eyebrow raise an alarm a little bit, like, oh, fuck, these guys have infernal arms. Make an insight roll. 18. Okay, you get the sense that she hates these things. It is almost <laughs> as if she has been felled by these things hundreds of times. So, Meg, you recognize this, huh? I guarantee it's going to give you a big problem. It's smaller than I remember it. Damn. <laughs> Megara is going to leap and then she's going to levitate in the air again. And her whip is swinging all around her, but it's actually like not a whip attack that's happening. It's almost as if she's like casting some sort of spell. Everybody. So Alexander, Annie, Rolf, and Arete. Underneath you, you see these massive 20-foot radius dark circles appear with this kind of like hot pink outline. And it looks like these are kind of like these magical mines that are about to explode under you. You need to all make dexterity saving throws. Oh, thank God. Natural 20. Hell yeah. Also natural 20. Put me at a 24. 10. Arete rolled a 9. Annie and Alexander, you see these massive circles appear under you and you still manage to cover their radius enough to very quickly dodge out of the way. And you take no damage as the circles explode in this hot pink eruption of light. The people who failed the saving throw end up taking 19 forest damage. <laughs> Furthermore, immediately all of these circles appear under you again. Wow. So everybody make dexterity saving throws again. Damn. Damn it. Rolf flies up into the air with the force of the explosion and shouts as he reaches the apex, 15! <laughs> with that 15, you actually fell just outside of the second explosion. <laughs> Arete, having caught wise, rolled a 22 what? and now knows Meg's little tricks. And as he was cast into the air, does a flip and then lands dexterously outside the rim of the new circle. After clearing the first explosion, he does not expect at all a second one and gets a one. You take 19 force damage. I dodged the first one. This second one, I rolled an 11. You take 19 damage. Annie! Um. Does what I think happens happen? Yeah, yeah, it does. All right. <laughs> Anastasia, the large pink pillar of force energy erupts underneath you. It's almost as if a fist is coming up from below it and just shoves you straight into the air and then yanks you straight back down. But when you go back down, nobody sees your body go anywhere because they don't see it hit the ground. It just goes like into blackness and a splash of blood just flies everywhere. Ah! Anastasia, no! 
The Fable and Folly Network supports creators of exceptional audio stories, including the one you're listening to right now. If you love our shows, we want to hear from you. Complete our listener survey at fableandfolly.com slash survey. This will help us learn more about you, what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, and how we can maintain an inclusive, safe atmosphere. As a thank you for your participation, we have extras and behind-the-scenes content from your favorite shows. Fans make the network what it is. Thanks for listening, and we can't wait to hear from you. Find our listener survey at fableandfolly.com slash survey today. Everybody sees these circles appear underneath them again. This is another dexterity saving throw. <laughs> Annie, I don't have the strength to go on. Except <gasps> I do because I rolled a 20 and I'm going to continue moving in the direction of the Northern Grape. <laughs> You're like through all your tears behind these hazel eyes. You're just making it happen. Arete completely distraught rolled an 11 on this saving throw. Okay, you take 19 damage. Alexander Perone is not able to recover from the big hit. And when he looks, he's looking at the ground already and he sees the purple coming and he gets another one. Oh my gosh. Okay, so you take another 19 damage. And this barrage of attacks seems endless as more circles open up underneath you. Everybody make dexterity saving throws. Oh my god. No! That's a 15 from Rolf. Okay, Rolf succeeds again. I'm pushing you 10 more feet towards the grate. I hide in the corner and weep. Alexander slams his fist on the ground and starts running towards her at the 18. Hell yeah. Barrette, having watched Annie be blown to smithereens and watching as devastation reigns around, he rolls an eight. He closes his eyes and waits for death. No! Ever graceful, even in death, the grave marker closes his eyes as the circle opens under him. All around him, that pillar just engulfs this serene man as it yanks him into the blackness and an explosion of blood flies out from the ground. <laughs> no. Alexander! Kill her! Anyway, that concludes her turn. Um, uh, now it's the goons' turn. So the goons are going to chase after you, Rolf. The goon closest to you, Rolf, needs to dash to reach you so it can't harm you. The goon behind Alexander moves its full movement speed 20 feet and moves toward Alexander. It is going to swing its massive club at you. It's a critical miss, so it just wipes its club and just smashes into the stone tile next to you, cracking it. Then the one closest to where Arete was standing moves to the other side of Alexander, so you're flanked by these wretched goons now. That one is also going to make um, an attack at you. It gets a 17, does that hit? That does not hit. So both of those miss. That concludes all the wretched goons' turn. Alexander is going to jump up and grab her leg as she's like coming down. Okay, you're going to draw two opportunity attacks. Is that okay? Yeah, that's the only way I can and attack her, I guess, so yeah. One is an 11, and the other is 22. Iris, protect me for the second one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> a shimmering light flashes onto the club. Unfortunately, it still gets a 22 because the roll I just made was a nat 20. With the AC given by Iris, it is a 23 for me. Hell yeah, nice. It's startled by its own club, and it goes, Ooh. You are adjacent to Megara right now. As she's coming down, he's gonna jump up and grab her leg, and then stab twice into her with the longsword. Put that bitch on a pike, Alex! Oh my goodness. 
That would be a 14. That does not hit. Can I use Bardic Inspiration? Yes, you can. Bardic Inspiration can still be used if the Bard is no longer in play, right? Um, Yeah, I was thinking about that, and I'm not, you know, I'm really not sure. I'm going to assume you were inspired by her heroism. Yeah, I'm going to say you can still do it. Word, I like it. A one, so... 15. That is just not enough to land the hit. You feel like you needed one more. One more attack. <laughs> Damn, the dice failed us. That's a, what, a 13. After that, Megger is going to lunge towards Rolf. Fuck you, lady. And I'm going to cast a witch bolt at her. I'm not going to run. Hell yeah. <laughs> as I say that, I'm going to back up as far as I can from Meg without drawing opportunity attack from the goon and throw that witch bolt in her face. You shove yourself back against the eastern wall. You say, fuck you, lady, and you fire this witch bolt. So roll that up for me. God damn it. That's a... 14. That does not hit. It fires in this arc, but you're a little distracted and emotional, and it goes, like, just over her shoulder. She kind of just jerks her head to the left, and you catch, like, a few strands of her silvery hair, and she just smirks. Well, Alex, we, we, we tried. She is actually going to lunge towards Alexander. I'll let her come to me so I can attack her if she doesn't land the hit. Okay, so because you are not dodging, dashing, or disengaging, she's going to make a wing attack as she lunges at you. She gets a 19. Uh, does not hit. Here we go with Daedalus by my side. That's a 24. That hits. That would be a 16. Okay, so both of those hit. I would like to make that a divine smite attack. Meg has just flown overhead, swiping at Alexander. He shielded himself. He tracks her the whole way with his eyes, and as soon as he lands, he runs up, jumps into the air, and wants to Superman stab her right into the chest with a lightning bolt. The Mighty Zeus, baby! The Mighty Zeus. Okay. <laughs> Is she a Fiend. As a bonus action this turn, you can roll to try to take a best guess at what she is. 13? Yeah, she's a fiend. Hell yes. Let's get a rolling, folks. Get the calculator, get your pen and pencils, get your popcorn. <laughs> I love that sound. Okay. That would be 32 damage to make. <laughs> fucking shit. 16 of that would be radiant, 16 of that would be slashing. Are, are you invoking any deity when you do this smite? The might of Zeus. I'm gonna call upon who I believe is my father. Hell yeah. I'm gonna award inspiration, just for, you know, doing that in character. And she takes a ton of damage as you do this massive stab into her. You see the radiant energy making all of these little, like, light capillaries through her skin as it's hurting her. So you did a ton of damage, and she looks about a third as strong as she did when the fight started. So, I mean, she's in bad shape. Shit. (laughs) Rolf, you are up. She is going to lunge toward you. I don't think she can make it, though. So she gets to that space that's 10 feet away from you again. Also, she's moved out of your attack range, Alexander, if you want to make an opportunity attack. Yes. I would like to make an opportunity attack. 
That's a 16. That hits exactly. <laughs> Do not run from me, you wretch. Who are you calling a wretch? As she turned around, he was slice a longsword at her neck for seven damage. Ouch. Okay. Yeah, I mean, she's looking bad. Uh, Rolf is going to try to move again to try and kind of lure her towards the grate. And as he backs up, he's, he's going to look at the crystal lodged in her cheek and says, You like that? My friend Surter isn't done with you yet. And he's going to cast forth Firebolt from his hands. And that's a 21, baby! That, that hits. Oh All my right. God. Y'all are really going to go to Asphodel on your first fucking run. And that's a two for damage. <laughs> da- I mean, damage is damage. Every bit helps. Okay, uh, do you do anything else on your turn? Let's finish this, Alexander. We have friends to free. So on her turn, she is going to float up into the air, and she's going to start whipping her whip around again in that casting motion. Could I please get dexterity saving throws from Rolf and Alexander as these massive purple and pink mines appear under you? That's a 19. That succeeds. So Rolf, do you want to move 10 feet in any direction? Yes. Where? Away. What are my options? You're backed up against the wall at the most distal point from her, but you could move sideways. I will do that. How high does the explosion go? An irrelevant amount if you get hit by it. I'm thinking like if I can climb the pillar or something. That's actually very clever. So they go 20 feet high. Old man, this may be up to you. No, don't don't say that, Alex. I'm going to use my inspiration to roll again. Okay. 14. Okay, uh, so... No. no. Alexander, it finally clicks to you. Oh, these pillars have a purpose. And the master tactician in you starts making for this pillar, but just a moment too late as this massive circle opens under you and erupts with a pillar of force that deals 19 force damage. As you do this, that flicker of inspiration is engulfed by a massive pillar of pink energy, Alexander, as you are yanked back into the ground and another pillar of blood just gushes out from the ground. No rest for the bereaved, Rolf, because another mine is opening directly under you and prompting a dexterity saving throw. That's a 14. Another pillar opens underneath you. The mine explodes, dealing 19 bludgeoning damage. Can I try and do what Alexander wanted to do and hurl myself towards a pillar while I fly through the air. <laughs> you could do that if you succeed. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. But you might on this next one because another mine is appearing underneath you right now. Odin, Zeus, whoever's out there. Oh, now everybody wants to appeal to the gods. Okay. Give me one good reason to believe you aren't just a bunch of bastards. 20! 20! With the dexterity of Loki and the might of Odin and the lightning of Thor, I fly! So, Rolf, in order to move you to the closest pillar, I would have to put you on a grate, which I don't think is what you want. No! So I'm going to move you just slightly to the left of the grate. That's fine with me. But you get hurled into the air, you avoid it, and you land on your feet somehow wild with desperation. You're hot sexagenarian muscles twitching as you try to scramble to your feet and another mine opens up underneath. No! I thought it was three! No, it's four. Always has been, uh, Meg says, pointing a gun at you. (laughs) (laughs) And Rolf rolled a 15. Meets it, beats (gasps) it. 
<laughs> as he dodges out of the way, you see a, a lightning course through his veins for a second. I see cartwheels just to the side, still trying to stay out of Meg's range. Her spell is winding down. Her wing, like, tightly held to her. It's kind of like, um, you know when, like, an ice skater, like, when they want to, like, pick up their speed while they're spinning, like, move their limbs closer yeah. to their body? It's kind of like she's, like, doing that, and, like, now she's slowing down. So, like, she's slowly unfurling that wing as she's gyrating, and it's kind of this, like, wing cocoon slowly descending to the ground. That concludes her turn. The wretched goons are up. The one closest to Megara is going to move adjacent to you, Rolf, and make an attack roll. And it's going to go, And it gets an 18 to attack. Iris! Please do not fail me now! You plead to Iris, it seems the gods are on your side. As the light intervenes, it only gets an 8 this time. Yes! The other two wretched goons need to dash to get anywhere close to you. Do not let me fall to these goons. I owe my friends better than that. And Rolf is just pleading, like, draws all the force within him, all the fountain of magic he has, and channels it into one desperate attempt as he he channels Surtur or or Ares, whoever it is, he pleads out into this void that he no longer understands and casts forward a fountain of flame with an 11. Okay, make a religion check. A 15. We're going to say, with this one desperate plea, you are able to make that attack with advantage. Oh, that's an 18. That hits. Okay. And I think you see, uh, uh, Rolf is like, maybe, I don't know, like avoiding slash processing something, having seen three people just burst into uh, blood. He has not dealt with these things before. And, and so he is fueled by an anger that he has not necessarily uh, tangled within his life. So he draws from deep within, almost like a, like a martial artist drawing from their their base stance to power up an attack, but it's a, it's a deeper guttural flame as his eyes almost glow a little bit. And this time he breathes the flame out onto her for nine points of fire damage, igniting that crystal stuck in her cheek. Okay, so she definitely feels that. (laughs) You breathe this fire onto her and all of her cool, calm, collected facade is like gone. She's furious. As the fire fades away, you see her hair is burned. The crystal is radiating on her cheek. Her eyes are mad with rage, and she is not pleased, and she seems in very bad shape. Is there anything else you want to do on your turn? Climb. Oh, 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 can I climb the pillar? You are 25 feet from the nearest pillar. I would say you would have to make a very hard athletics check to climb it. But it will draw the opportunity, is that correct? Certainly. Oh. Rolf crosses his fingers and makes a bolt for the pillar and is going to attempt to climb it. Okay, you're going to draw two opportunity attacks. One from Megara, who gets a 23. Iris! Only a 14. Oh, God. Okay, I I was like, that hits, but no, plus three. Okay, it just barely misses. That is such a good boon, y'all. It just barely misses. (laughs) So she lashes at you, thinking she's going to catch you, but she just barely misses as this, like, radiant rainbow light flashes in her eyes, which she is just fed up with. And then the goon is going to attempt to uh, make an opportunity attack against you. It critical fails. (laughs) You are at the pillar. If you want to climb the pillar on this turn, give me the best athletics check you've got. I've only got a plus one, so here we go. Five. (laughs) You scramble to the pillar and you are at least there. It is Megara's turn. And she says, no more games. 
And then she is going to fly straight adjacent to you, Rolf. She is then going to make a wing attack against you. 24. And I can't call on Iris, so... I would be back. She slashes her wing upward and launches your body upward. You're suspended in the air for a moment as your blood flies everywhere, and you just hear a sound, and it just goes, dun, 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 and you are yanked back into the ground as your body flows into the blood of the rivers of Hades. And that will conclude our encounter. Rogue Runners Volume 1 in the Blood stars our players Nicholas Benetados as Alexander the Great, Amanda Facosta as Anastasia Pentazis, Giancarlo Herrera as Rolf Yannick, and Michael Pisani as Arete Lascaris. Dungeon mastering and NPC voices are by me, Tozaman. Cover art by Chandler Candela. Sound design and editing by Giancarlo Herrera. Title music by Sage GC, with vocals by Jessica Dahlgren and Sage GC. Character theme music by Giorgio Volpe. Additional music by Epidemic Sound. If you liked what you heard, we hope you'll consider helping us make future tabletop parodies of your favorite stories. You can support us at Patreon on patreon.com slash roguerunradio. Patrons get access to our community Discord channel, as well as our behind-the-scenes chat cast Out of the Blood, where we talk about everything on our minds after the episode. There are free ways to support the show, too, We hope you'll leave us a glowing review on your listening app of choice, as well as spread the good word about us on Twitter and Instagram, where you can follow us at Rogue Run Radio. We love hearing from you, so hit us up there or email us at rr at whisperforge.org. We're very proud to be in the Whisperforge Collective and hope you'll check out our other shows. We think you'll love The Far Meridian, a gorgeous and heartfelt audio drama about places unknown and memories resurfaced. Are you ready for your next run? Then you can listen to our next episode right now. It's already out. Till next time, sinners, I'll see you in hell. Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hello, and thanks for calling the arena. If you know your party's extension, you can dial it at any time. If your psychiatrist has gone missing, press 3. Press 3. That sounds ill-advised. Life is about choices, man. You and I both suffer from a very rare form of mental illness, right? Yep. Yep, that's us. I'm just saying, we're probably not the best private investigators, since we don't know what's real. The waitress at the Chinese restaurant, she told me that I needed to complete three trials to find Sadler. Okay, but how long have you been out of your meds? Three trials. The arena, the old factory, the inventor's basement. The inventor's basement. Exactly. Mama, I met someone today. You're not going to believe this. Half spider, half human. You all have this disorder. We call it the imperfection. Okay, so we just got off the train at a stop called East River between East Broadway and York Street, which I'm pretty sure doesn't exist. 
We are not a cop show, Charlie. Uh, I know that, but we're friends, and I need my friends. How sure are you that these things are actually happening in real life? It seems like reality can be a little slippery. Charlie! Charlie! They're on my face! Amber, Amber, stop, 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 stop it, stop these it. These fucking spiders, they are everywhere. Ah! The Imperfection, an audio drama in nine parts. Produced by Wolf at the Door Studios. Out now. For more information, please visit WLFDR.com.